and then we see it. It's our RV. The hood's still open. You can see the bullet marks. No driver. No driver. Voodoo <laughs> stuff. And it just parks in front of us, and we're just all like, Gate Night Mode. Let's burn yeah, the business. State of Survival Podcast, bringing you survival game news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the State of Survival Podcast, Episode 7. You know, it's actually kind of crazy. I was just thinking about it. It wasn't actually that long ago, almost a month and a half ago, that we did Episode 1, and here we are, still going. This is just awesome. We're about 7 subscribers away from 100 subscribers. That is awesome, guys. Like, we have been doing this every week for the past month and a half, and I feel like we're actually getting places. And I'm so happy that we have our viewers and our chatters here almost every single time. I know it sounds a little bit, but... Yeah, I mean, you know, and it may sound a little bit pre-early or whatever else, but, you know, honestly, I'm very happy to see how much support we have been given. And... I look forward to all of our future shows, folks. But enough of that sappy stuff. Let's go ahead and get into the show, guys. <laughs> Today we're <laughs> talking about Daisy and Daisy modding. And you know what, for folks? I think we're actually going to expand a little bit further and talk about just modding in general for most games. While we do love Daisy, and I think Daisy will be the focus point of the taste show, we're going to talk about what modding and modders actually bring to the table to most survival games. So let's go ahead and get into the staff promotion, um, staff weekly stuff today. Jarl, what's been going on, my man? Not much, not much. I couldn't echo your statements more about just how thrilled we are to have the community, everybody except for Gumby. Um, but I really love the community that's here, the activities that's here. And honestly, I feel like a lot of the times when we're asked a question or we get feedback, it's not just somebody filling the air with words. It's actually something constructive that we can react to. And I, I really do appreciate that from you guys. But as far as my schedule for this week, after today, I do have my Death of the DDs Dungeons & Dragons game tomorrow evening. Uh, on Thursday, we are going to be playing some Project Zomboid and... We're going to be testing some with Project Zomboid. I'm going to try to add the basements and sewers mod to our world and see if it breaks it. If it does, we're just going to like start a world with the same players and kind of experiment with basements and sewers and see what kind of possibilities we hope for when the official Build 42 release comes out. Then, of course, on Friday, I'm going to be having my Star Trek Resurgence stream, which is all cosplay and it's super cool. But sadly, Saturday, there will be no streams because my daughter graduates, so I will not be around. Wow, that sounds like a lot of stuff going on, but it also sounds very interesting. I've never really watched Star Trek before I watched you play, y'all, in interesting overall stuff like i of course watched the cool movies that came out back in you know the 2010s god it makes me sound old um but back in the day <laughs> the new movies <laughs> yeah right but uh well yeah, there's so many wrath of Khan, all those things my dad was a big trekkie uh but yeah it's really fun to watching you play those kind of stuff I always tell people, if you're looking for that Trekkie Star Trek experience, probably don't want to watch my channel because when I play the game, I know a lot because I helped Modiphius beta test uh, Star Trek Adventures 2D20, but I'm not like one of those people that wants to go to the cons or excitedly looks up, oh, what's coming up next? I'm the technical side. I love the ships and the technology and all of that stuff. So sometimes my commentary is like, I couldn't even take it seriously. The captain of the ship looks like J.J. Jameson from Spider-Man and i was just like i need photos of spider-man <laughs> like it's so good now you did mention a word there modifius what's that or who's that uh modifius is a company that makes tabletop rpgs and what's really interesting is they they don't just make an rpg with all the figurines and you know oh it's such an expensive hobby instead they try to make the most out of their games so they've got Star Trek Adventures 2D20, they've got Conan, and you know, the Barbarian 2D20. 
Uh, they have Dune. Dune is released based off of not only the books, but also a lot of influence from the newer movies. But what I love about what they've done with Fallout and what it looks like they're doing with Skyrim is it's a war games. So you can buy all the STLs or the minis, paint it, play the war games, but then turn around and buy the tabletop RPG book and get more than one game out of the stuff that you purchase. Now, Skyrim currently only has the, you know, little figurine war game, but I wouldn't put it past Modiphius to be publishing a Skyrim tabletop, which ought to be fun. No, that sounds amazing and uh, really cool to hear about all the stuff you're going to be doing. But let's go ahead and move on to our publisher, Red Falcon. What's been up, man? Hey, hey, well, I'm I thought I was busy, but it looks like I was not nearly as busy as Jarl. Um, so been uh, working on uh, doing some mod work, kind of going back and doing some uh, stuff with the helis, working on a couple new models um, and uh, playing. You know, we had I know we're going to talk about it later, but we had a great uh, team uh, stream last week in Daisy on one of my servers and then been playing uh been playing rust with a couple of guys so lots of fun there and then just working on leveling up my uh my producer skills with uh video editing and uh, uh recording and all that good stuff so lots of fun nice very nice and finally for me folks i have been in the background working hard on mark's container mod trying to get everything up and going remember folks when this mod is fully published it's going to be free open source so folks out there who are interested in actually modding base building items and stuff you can take apart the mod and learn how all of it works because it's going to be all open source no binarization no locks no nothing just all there for you to work on in other news, I've also been doing, you know, of course, Death of DDs with Yarl, and on Saturday in the Fallout game, Mr. Robert Wankup Boom. I ended up saving my friends, at least Mr. Robert thinks, but he no longer needs to think. He is vaporized. He is literally just a glowing crater in that fantasy game in some person's memory somewhere else. But that's pretty much all I have. <laughs> he's, he's returned to the heaven.com of the sky. Yes, yes, yes. The, the the binary code has accepted him back into its life. Because <laughs> we're all in the Matrix, by the way. We all know it. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but let's go ahead and go over the topics and the overall point of this episode. We're going to be talking about Daisy, and we're going to be talking about how modding and modders actually played an influential part in bringing Daisy back from almost the brink of death. And one of you folks don't know, but Daisy, back before modding in .63 was introduced, was on the verge of its lowest player count, which was 5,000 consecutive players in a day. That is a really, really low number for any game out there to have, and it seems like modding actually played a part in that. We're going to go ahead and move on to our first uh, subject, which is mods, and what do they bring? <laughs> Uh, mods and what do they bring? Now, this subject is interesting, but before we truly take a deep dive, let's go ahead and talk about our live stream, which where we played with some mods to get some context about how we think about the mods. Yarl, we played on Red Falcon's server, and it was kind of an interesting experience, was it not? You know what? First off, huge props to Red Falcon for inviting us. We wanted to play a server that was modded, if not heavily modded. And... He was so kind to invite us. I've never played on Deer Isle before, and it was amazing to see everything they did with the mods to still give it the life of DayZ, but, you know, kind of uh, make it to where every type of player could find what they're looking for. Uh, and I thought it was kind of uh, a really good breath of fresh air that I wasn't playing a server that had the same mods that I'm used to playing on. No, it was really nice because you're totally right. There were plenty of mods there. It was almost, for lack of a better word, a kitchen sink kind of server. And I know Red runs it with a couple of other admins and they have a say in the mods. But not all the mods were just overdone. It seemed like even though it looked like a kitchen sink, it kind of had a good mosh podge of mods that filled in gaps the other mods didn't have. So that was kind of nice about it. I remember... Uh, one of the funny moments was us going to the boxing ring, going to do some boxing. Uh, the skydiving booth, right? 
Oh my gosh, there's a sky <laughs> And I go to touch it, and Red's all like, no, bad to Brom. Like, what's he gonna do? He's all like, it's gonna make you fly. And then you, you know, you he give, shouldn't have even told us. If he would have just said, don't touch it, I would have been fine. But the moment he's like, it'll make you fly. Like, there, the child part of me was like, <laughs> oh man can you imagine if the pedestal was called moon door and then when you did it yeah. there was a make going, the bad man make fly, the bad man fly. <laughs> yeah. oh. i can just see red going don't touch that because he was kind of like willy wonka he's like i have lots to show you come with me and you'll see and just see me go what 500 feet in the air i would have loved it i would have loved it I mean, that would have been great. it would have sucked. You already died once, and we had to come and pick you up. Okay, listen, all right? That was that was the fault of the driver of our RV. I said, I'm moving to the back. I stand up. What does Dump do? Floors it. I eat crap on the table, brain myself, immediately die, and now I'm standing there in the middle of the night with my thumb up and my little red light on, hoping somebody picks me up. Well, you know what we can do about that whole situation? Instead of blaming me, let's just blame Gumby. Gumby! Gumby is the scapegoat for SOS, so it was Gumby's fault. <laughs> uh, but we definitely sure had a lot of fun trying to drive that RV, and folks, Red was giving me GPS directions. <laughs> and it was really like five feet from the turn. He's like, left! And I'm like... <laughs> The most insulting GPS you could ever buy. It was like, left, left. I said left. And it's just like, mom and dad, are we going to be okay? Then we finally get to our final destination at the airport and a group of bots put us down. And I forgot how ruthless they were. Uh, you guys started trying to fight back. I took the honorable cowardly route and ran into the woods. And I swear it was like the Blair Witch Project. I ran for like five minutes. I'm like... They can't see me now, having no idea that it was bots. I laid down in the grass. I'm like, they'll never find me. <laughs> Instantly oh killed. It was great. They were ruthless because our RV broke down. We didn't get shot while we were driving, folks. The RV stopped working. I slowly coasted to the side like any responsible RV driver would do. Um, and I went to look at the engine, and next thing I know, I'm unconned. There's gunshots going on in the distance. I come to, to, Red's trying to shoot them. I see Jarl sprinting. I go around the back of the RV, take aim, pop, pop. And you know what the sad, folks, uh, sad thing, folks, is? Is the pop, pop wasn't me shooting. It was me being shot. <laughs> I believe it. I stood up to help you guys, and I, I did that slow stand-up animation for the table, and a bullet goes, fuck, three bleed. So I'm sitting there going... And I'm like, I need to run somewhere where I can bandage. By the time I turned around and looked back, I just saw all my friends dead in the road. And I'm like, mm-mm, mm-mm. Nope, RV can stay. It didn't. We ended up dying, right? Yeah, we died. Yeah, and then, I, yeah I died. Later on, we ended up meeting in a town. And as we're trying to get together, we just got done cooking some food, I think. And we're about to leave. And then we hear the sound of a vehicle coming. And we're all like getting a little bit paranoid. And then we see it. It's our RV. The hood's still open. You can see the bullet marks. No driver. Just, no driver. Voodoo <laughs> stuff. And it just parks in front of us. And we're just all like, caveman mode. Let's burn yeah, the building. God bless the admin who was like oh they spent a lot of money on this rv they didn't get it here i'm gonna drive it to them so that they can use it and what do we do oh my god it's like the movie christine we started building fires under it we were trying to exercise it we were shooting it throwing the tires off realized it wasn't gonna die and we did what any good exorcist would do we drove that thing into the bottom of the ocean <laughs> oh man that was that was hilarious we, we definitely made sure it never resurfaced or will it either way let's go ahead and move on while we think about that horror horrific fact and actually talk about what are mods to daisy and games in general now i know as a modder what mods are to daisy so i'm going to go first and talk about what i know as a modder for daisy what mods truly are to daisy mods are a way to experience the game in ways that developers may or may not have intended this includes expanding upon them, 
building on them, or changing the direction entirely. I have seen everything under the sun, from super hardcore versions of Vanilla Day Z to anime roleplay servers, where you're literally running around as anime characters. And some servers even have mechazoids, like you can literally crawl into a mechazoid and it becomes your character. It is crazy, the amount of creativity in it. But most important things about mods that I can tell people is there a way for not only one person to enjoy a breadth of interesting things, but to share it with others and to bring the game into a new era of enjoyment for people who normally would never pick up the game in the first place. Yarl, what do you think as a player? Well, I think the biggest thing as a player is that we all grew up in the early 2000s. Well, us classy people grew up in the early 2000s playing the games going, you know, I like this game, but there's this one thing that bugs me about it. That's where modding comes in. And modders really are the backbones to any game's longevity. It's the reason why we've all bought Skyrim seven times. It's the reason why some of these games that are 10 plus years old can still be played. You can enhance the graphics, add content to it, and make the game something totally different than you experienced before, really enhancing the replayability. And it's really wonderful to see Daisy standalone embrace that because I think it's done nothing but make it so much more fun to enjoy. No, that's some very good points, but you know what? Let's go ahead and play the good versus bad cop. What cop do you want to be? I'll be bad cop. I'm really okay. good at that. Oh, look. Good cop. We'll go have good cop go first. Guys, mods for Daisy helped rejuvenate. Like I said in the very beginning, mods are, while not the sole reason Daisy is still around, I will stress that. They released a large part, at least more than 25% of the reason why Daisy is still flourishing like it is, was because the mods back then and the mods today still continue to do amazing jobs on influencing our creativity, offering new venues, bringing in people, like I said just a minute ago, that would have never picked Daisy up to begin with, but because they saw some videos, some short, or heard a story from a local friend, they wanted to try Daisy. They wanted to play on that server. And honestly, it's amazing. I think mods make survival games specifically survive longer, but also make them more enjoyable because it truly plays into what a survival game actually is, which is choices. And that's why I like mods. Yeah, let's see if you get bad cop. Uh-huh. Here's the thing about mods, all right? It's 21st century. We got high-speed internet. A lot of us have fiber. Okay, the whole reason why we got that is because we want things to move fast. Last thing I want to do is be joining the server and have to sit there and load mods for 20 minutes. Over 10... I downloaded more mods than the size of the game itself. It's ridiculous. I don't even know what to do. And then say you want to play at the friend. He goes, hey, I know of a modded server. So you join him and you got some... Anime girls run around with their bands and boobs and mechs all over the place? That's not the Daisy I stared up for. No, I need my vanilla. Like, I drink my coffee black. Plain, plain, plain. Was that convincing? No! <laughs> okay, damn it. Um. Oh, and also, Gumby, we can make a mod that just kills him every time he joins the server, then we're good. Okay, there we go. We'll make a GoFundMe page later, folks. <laughs> But no, I mean, you know, and that's the thing, folks. Whether you like mods or hate mods, they are part of gaming nowadays. Even games that aren't survival games, which is what our podcast is about, have mods. And those mods either add to the game or take away from the game, whether or depending on your review. You can't be a pure black coffee person. There's nothing wrong with that. Or you could be a person that puts in just a millimeter of coffee and puts in all the creamer and sugar you want with a little bit of caramel, makes a little tea leaf, and calls yourself a coffee drinker. But either way, there's still coffee in it. You know so what? I gotta tell you, I'm, I'm addicted to mods. Like, I got a problem. My uh, New Vegas playthrough that I did on stream that is photorealistic, 389 mods. I got a problem. So... Maybe we should do an intervention, folks. Have an episode. Yeah, maybe just, maybe a, a modern invention, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what? And this is all important stuff for us to think about long term, folks. I actually turn it to you in chat and in our comments. Tell us what is your favorite mod, and do you think it actually adds to the overall game? 
coming from a perspective that you're, you've played the vanilla game and the only reason why you modded it was because of a situation or whatever. And don't be afraid to say that you're a pure, pure vanilla fan, that you think mods ruin a game's player base and all that kind of stuff. I'd love to see a breadth of answers. So yeah, you know, I think that's, that's actually good points. So overall, I think it's good for us to know that mods are just extensions of games. The developers almost never have a full-fledged say in mods. Of course, if there's things that break their terms of service or the agreement the modders have with the game, the game makers, there's that. But most times, it's what players choose to play. And that's, I think, the most important part of mods, is they still do that sandbox situation that we all love, where we can do whatever we want with the game, along with within its confines, but we still have choices on how we make the game better or worse. Hmm. We got a comment from Lieutenant General Zombie. Arma 3 Mods Exile can't prove me wrong. Mods didn't make Arma 3 what it is. That is true. I think that's also uh, true about Arma 2 in the very beginning. Uh, Arma has always been a very stable game, and it's not necessarily what builds its success. What I think mods do for people who play Arma 3 or the people who have been playing it for eight years straight and their choice, they're getting burned out. Their choice is to walk away from the game and play something else or add a little bit of spice onto that game and get a completely different experience out of it. But Arma 3 is a very solid game. So the need for mods isn't really prevalent, um, but, you know, it's still nice that you have the choice to do so. Yep, totally agree. Uh, like me personally. I could play Vanilla Daisy and never need a mod, but the fact that I can mod it makes it fun when I get to. So, let us go ahead and move on to our hot takes, our wonderful, beautiful hot takes. Boom, baby. All right. <laughs> One of the things that I love about mods is immersion. That's my big take. I don't need robots. I don't need anime girls. I don't even need an excess of military vehicles that may or may not make sense to you. For me, it's immersion. I want to feel like somebody who's been lost in the world. And one of my mods that I really love is Nature Overhaul. Very much like Last of Us or even pictures of Chernobyl, if you go look at the actual site, it basically makes it to where nature is reclaiming the ruins of mankind which I think is a powerful, powerful tool. Um, you could see on the screen before you, and for those who aren't around, it's just a typical Daisy map, very beautifully designed town. It's got the actual shrubbery that makes sense. But then with nature overhaul, a simple mod to install, you get a much different experience. It looks like people have not been here to mow the lawns, to tend to the weeds, and it just causes it to expand and grow. And I love that because I, I love the show like 10 years after Human and just seeing what happens as Mother Nature reclaims what was once rightfully hers. Now, before you go out and you try Nature Overhaul, uh, there are some, it only works on Shinaris, there are some issues with it since the latest like terrain height changes. Uh, Nishinoi, for example, has trees that grow in the homes or are halfway in the ground. But in my experience, that's really the only bad spot. So if you're willing to give it a try and just avoid Nishinoi or forgive it when you do pass through, there might be some trees where they shouldn't. The mod really adds to the game uh, and it's been so good. Um, here's an example of just another city street. You see the grass patches and the bushes. It also changes up PvP. You don't have people going to that dedicated spot. The greenery allows people to think better with PvP, find good ambush points, or even being able to sneak around to positions that you normally wouldn't be able to. But more importantly, with the example of nature overhaul not being updated, real life gets in the way for modders. And I gotta say, I really do appreciate the comments on this page for being patient. Modders work hard for no financial gain. So I understand that it hasn't been updated in a year, but the interest in this mod is still significant and continually downloaded despite the smaller issues. So there's a chance the modder could be back now that 1.20 is out, or we'll just continue playing it and enjoying it for what it is despite the hangups. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, the Nature Overhaul was a very nice mod, and it's still nice that it still actually works mostly. 
Uh, like you said, that Niznoi seems to have some issues, but overall, I think that mod still actually rings true with its overall purpose. Well, folks, I'm actually going to self-plug. Um, <laughs> with 1.21, they added in medieval armor, and swords and maces, and crossbows. Now, while I have never said this mod was a roleplay mod, it's been called it quite a bit, so might as well play into it. My Melorgine Forging mod adds the ability to harvest ores and rocks and so many other situational items that you need to actually start forging items. The world has ended, and a lot of the situational stuff out there requires you to not only be smart on your feet, but also to go back to some of the older ways of surviving. My mod allows you to accomplish this by being able to smelt down ores and be able to forge them into nails and tools, pickaxes, axes, you name it, and various things, including even a dagger uh, with a inspiration from the Skyrim dagger, which is quite funny. Now, this is actually pretty cool because it allows you necessarily to become more self-reliant and less reliant upon all the loot around the area. Sure, you still have to run around looking for boulders and stuff, but you're not spending hours and hours and hours looking for a box of nails or whatever situational thing that you need. You can actually just end up forging it yourself. Now, I mention this because in an upcoming update, probably within the next couple of months, I'll be releasing an update that adds in my own crossbow bolts that could be forged and some other various cool things. Here, you folks might be interested, but that's my hot take. Let's I love ahead. the idea of that mod, too, because, you know, they call it a roleplay mod, but it gives you a reason to build a base because you're not just using it for storage and trading with players. It's it's really neat. I like it. No, totally right. And that, that was the purpose of the mod is to encourage more player interaction, because if you use the default settings, it takes a team to do what's happened. Yeah, one person could be the blacksmith or whatever, but you also have to work with other people to get necessarily the items to do the blacksmithing. Now, you could do it all by yourself, but it's going to take way, way longer to do so. But yeah, I, I totally agree. That's Those are nice features of it. Now, folks, we're going to go ahead and talk, move back to our main subject, where we talk about modders, who are they, and why do they matter to the mods that we just spoke about. Now, we just spoke about mods themselves, Jarl, and it's really interesting because you actually pointed on an interesting fact in your hot take. There are people behind this, people who spend tons of time and effort doing this, and it's important for people to understand that what it means to be a modder. Well, let's go ahead and talk about what it means to be a modder in DayZ. Now, I'm going to actually ask you first, Jarl, what do you think it uh, takes to be a modder in DayZ? I've always had the utmost, the utmost respect for modders. They are the unsung heroes of any game. They can bring life to a game that otherwise feels repetitive in nature. But to tell you the truth, when it comes to Daisy modding, I'm actually the least familiar on what it means to be a Daisy mod. I don't mod myself. I do have coding experience, but there's a lot of steps to it. It's it's not as you can't just use assets willy nilly. A lot of the times you have to make the assets yourself, especially with copyright issues. So I can't even imagine the stress that modders go through when they have to deal with Steam Workshop or gathering acts, you know, assets or even trying to keep them up to date. Now you did point out that you may not be very familiar with what it means to be a Daisy modder, but you did say you have some coding slash experience in the background of game design in the past as well as just now. Now, what do you think it means to be a modder for pick a game at random? Fallout or Red 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 Dead Redemption 2, I know you play that. What, what do you think about those kind of games? Well, the thing I find interesting about Fallout is a lot of the, the modding community with Bethesda and the reason why it's so strong, it all started back in the days of Morrowind with the TES, the, the Elder Scrolls editor. You know, it gives you a chance. At first, it was just using their assets to make maps. Then people thought it was really cool, changing homes, changing the way the villages look. But then it kind of spiraled out of there. People thought, well, what would make this game good? What is missing in this title? What's different from the previous titles? And then once Oblivion came out, it was like the floodgates opened. You started seeing some phenomenal mods 
some of them silly, like using a crystal that heals you all the way, but it has a curse that they don't tell you about, where a hundred adoring fans spawn behind you, uh, and you just hear Bizer, Bizer everywhere you go. Uh, but I really love how silly some of these mods can get without breaking the immersion of the title. And there's a lot of companies that give you that framework so that you can start modding. But I hear DayZ is not really that easy compared to some of these other ones. Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily say DayZ is... I would almost say the reason why DayZ is harder is but the fact that it's almost hard or difficult to learn how to mod without relying upon the community itself to be there to hold you through the process. But the reason why I'm able to say this, folks, is that Daisy has its own engine, whether it's the virtual reality, um, the reality virtual engine, or it's the new infusion engine. Both of these engines are in-house. Now, I know that Bethesda has its own in-house, but the situation there is that they have gone through the efforts, the time, and the energy to create huge guides out of their own company to make it so modding is easier for people. Now, Daisy, however, folks, has not done that very well. And when you get Daisy, our current version of Daisy, when, when they introduce modding, we have a mosh podge of the old virtual reality engine and infusion clashed into one. This threw a huge wrench into things because we had new infusion systems working with old systems and figuring out how those both work together without proper documentation has been some of the hardest things to do. So we rely upon the community for help. And I will be honest in saying that there has been, unfortunately, people are discovering over time their own ways of doing stuff, which has created a situation where people somewhat gatekeep because they worked really hard to learn how to do what they're doing and it creates a situation which it makes them feel like sharing that information is being easy on someone or not necessarily giving them the possibility of learning themselves i'm one of those people now i am more than happy to share information with people but if you come to me for some simple issues that can be found almost anywhere in the modders discord now for infusion i am not jumping at the opportunity just tell you how to fix it i try to tell you where i see the problem and let you come up with a solution obviously i eventually help but i myself could be accused of gatekeeping uh in some situations where i never answer the person back or maybe just don't tell and uh it's kind of a sad fact oh uh oh uh oh I thought I would uh, I would pipe in since I do have a little bit of experience in this area. Um, so for to to kind of rewind a little bit and what it takes to get in uh, to to Daisy modding, uh, especially um, you know if you want to do something a little bit more complex. Uh, the first thing is it helps if you have experience in object oriented programming C C sharp C plus plus. If you don't, um, I know. Dump is uh, is uh, self-taught, didn't have coding experience before he went in, but that certainly helps because it gives you some context to be able to look at the scripts and the configs and understand generally what they're doing rather than looking at it and it's like you're looking at the matrix. So that's that's the first thing. Not a requirement, but it definitely helps uh, uh, level up the, the, the climb a bit. And then I think Jump, you mentioned it too. There really isn't uh, a great set of documentation. So there are a number of tutorials. There's some really good tutorials out on YouTube, but they are the basics. They are retexturing items. Uh, here's how to make a hat. Here's how to make a new bag. Uh, I know Tweaks has done some on making weapons and, and integrating with the weapon systems. Uh, and that can start to get a little bit complicated. But once you want to get past that, you're really on your own. I mean, there's some searching of the uh, modders Discord that you can do if you if you really get your Google Foo going in Discord search. Um, but you're going to be having to figure out stuff. And in some cases that I ran into where I'm looking for something and everyone else was like, yeah, I don't think that could be done. Or it's not, we haven't figured it out. And where I've either figured it out or put a few pieces together of what people have done and then someone came in and helped me. Um, and then to kind of tie it off in what you were talking about, dump with people 
being gatekeepers or not wanting to, um, you know, it's like you got to, I paid my dues, you got to pay yours too. Um, I think we're, we could all be accused of that to some degree, but I know for me, it's less about wanting people to, um, to pay their dues such as it is and not be able to jump up really quick, but it's more, if people don't have the context, if they don't understand the why behind it and they just want a thing, um, they're never going to learn and they're not going to be able to, to fish on their own, so to speak. So that's the thing right. that there are, there are lots of people I've helped out um, and kind of walked through stuff with them and explained things. Um, certainly the people that I want a thing and I want it now, they're just going to get silence and crickets. Um, so it's, I think it's uh, the way I explained it to somebody once is if you come to me the right way, I'll help you out until, you know, the cows come home. But if you're just being kind of a, a goofus and not wanting to uh, put in the work uh, of understanding it, uh, yeah, no thanks. And I totally get that. I, I see that a lot when people ask me, how did you mod Skyrim? How did you? And I give them the mod list and the mod order and, and they still have issues getting it to work right. At that point, it's like, I've already done the walking for you. Uh, you know, if you want to know how somebody built a skyscraper of mods, then you have to first know how to walk to that skyscraper. The skyscraper is not going to come to you because without that basic knowledge, what a modder's biggest fear is, yeah, you just do this and this and this. And then five minutes, what next? What do I do next? Where does that end if you just go out of your way to be that forthcoming with how you solve your problems? Yeah, and, you know, you guys both have great points that, like, you still have to self-learn, even if somebody's there trying to help you. And Red touched on something very important, and I would have to say that respect when you reach out to someone for help, you should give them respect in what and how much time and effort they have available to help you. Because remember, they're doing their own mods too. They're going out there, they're learning, and they're doing their own things, as well as on top of whatever they have going outside of the modding community. So just kind of things to keep in mind when we're talking about these modders and what it means to actually what it takes to actually become a modder in the community. It's I know Red said about, you know, I paid my dues, so you have to, but you almost have to pay your dues a little bit. And that comes into being patient and being willing to learn from other people. And most importantly, and this is the one I preach the most, pass it on. If somebody is in modders, the Fusion Modders Discord and you want to become part of the modding community, helping others with a situation that you had in the past is helpful. I don't expect you to sit there and troll the modders community, the modding community all the time. If you glance in there and you see somebody's asking a question about the problem you just had, let them know how you fixed it. It doesn't take too long to do so. Yeah, and this goes back to the fact that modders are not paid. They're doing this on their own. And if you had any idea how much a tutor for C++ or C-sharp programming gets paid, a lot of the times if you're going to hold someone's hand throughout the entire process and teach them from the ground up, I mean, that's something you could make a lot of money doing for software design on your own and it's it's a lot to ask somebody to do for free in their spare time when they already don't get paid for making the nice mods that they do so i i, I get it i get it yeah definitely now i would like to state on what kind of what kind of traits do you need to be a modder in the daisy modding community like personality trait wise honestly an eagerness to learn and to expand upon what you're learning. I am almost a fully self-taught modder. However, I was taught how to do some things. When I run into a brick wall, actually, for example, I'm working on the container mod. I am in a brick wall with my scripting limitations. I am not a, um, um, a top uh, coder. I did not go to school. I do not have books of a dummy's guide to coding on my desk. I know how to do object-oriented programming, everything I've learned in Daisy Modding. And you know who I asked for? I asked Red Falcon for help. He knew who taught me how to do all of the scripting that I did for my Metal Dream Forging mod. That was OP. And I can list off other people who have helped me throughout my time as a modder. But the reason why I've been able to make these relationships or create what I call bounce backs, where I have people who have helped previously learn how to mod, uh, and then I can ask them questions or come to them with an issue and be like, man, I can't wrap my head around it. 
and they can be all like, dude, you forgot a Samtax. It's because I am friendly and I'm willing to learn and I'm willing to experience new suggestions. That is, in my opinion, the only personality trait you actually need. Be open-minded and have a willingness to learn. I know there's two and I just said one, but whatever. Also, when, now I've never modded for DayZ, but I can tell you that modding is a lot of debugging. And you have to, there's one trait you have to be okay with, confident with, and understand, and that's troubleshooting and problem solving. Problem solving is key. If you get frustrated easy and you're the type of person that wants to drop your tools and walk away, that's okay. Walk away, clear your head, but at least have the, you know, tenacity or the endurance to come back and hit the, you know, the drawing board again when you need to. Yeah, definitely. Now, let's go ahead and actually divvy from this because I could talk about this all day, folks. Honestly, I could. But let's go ahead and talk about the challenges. What challenges do modders actually face? Because... This is an important subject to me, and it kind of touches on something we're going to be doing in the future. But let's go ahead and do kind of a basic conversation about this. Now, what kind of challenges do you think a modder faces on a daily basis, Darl? Honestly, time. I think that's one of the biggest obstacles, is time. Um, you know, time is very valuable especially if you have to work a full-time job in the background and have family that you have to juggle, as well as friends. Um, I would think that for me, the biggest challenge would be the time it takes to produce something. And then when an update comes out, the fact, the honest fact that I'm not going to be able to just drop everything and live on the video game's whim whenever they decide to update. I can't just drop everything and then get to work updating my mod. So for me, I think that's the biggest challenge. I think the other challenge is you still have to network. You know, that that's something that a lot of people who mod don't realize. Networking is very important, not only to build your relationships with other modders, but to learn from them. If you don't network, then it's the same knowledge stewing back and forth like a two-week-old medieval pottage. That's a, that's a good way to uh, compare it metaphor-wise. I love it. Now, for me, I would say... Oh, we have uh, a visitor. Now you're already here. You better screech away. I've never had a polite bird dive down on me. That's <laughs> <laughs> there, man. I'll, I'll pop on your car later. <laughs> so sorry for the sharp talons and the uh, the body rendering there. Okay, so um, definitely, definitely uh, having being at the mercy of the game developer and whatever they decide to do next, uh, that's that's a big challenge. Um, and then humorously, it's for me, it's the complete other end. So it's the support and supporting people that have the same questions over and over and over and actually this is where gumby really helps me out in my discord um and some of his grumpiness uh actually becomes a a good tool so inevitably every week we're going to have a minimum of five to ten people coming in saying i added your mod love it it's great red but uh the helicopters are despawning they're just disappearing and we say it's the types. It's always in the types file. That's what controls uh, persistence. Oh, but my types are perfect. It's like, no, they're not. And and um, same thing with, hey, I, I just got Daisy or I just set up a Daisy server. So I've been a server admin for about 25 seconds and I installed your mod. How can I make them spawn in the map? Okay, well, you need to go over and watch some of ScaleSpeeder's uh, fantastic tutorials on how to set up event systems. That's not for me to do. Then I see uh, Lieutenant General Zombie, FAQs are pointless. Absolutely, no matter what I put in to redirect mm -hmm. people to, hey, go look here, here's where all the answers are. Maybe try using Search and Discord to see if this question's been asked 35,000 times before. Um, nobody, nobody gets it. They, in fact, I had one person one time that got me chuckling where they said, you know, I found that searching around like that for the answers is just a waste of time. It's better just to pop in and ask the question. So, 
literally you had you to scroll up like five uh, five messages in the thread and you would have seen the same question answered before. Come on. Here's how I handle it as a player. And this is something that every player should do. When I'm modding Fallout, and like I said, I have 386 mods on my Fallout New Vegas. If there's a mod I want, I read, what files does it change? What does it do that will benefit me? Is it worth the performance hit? And then I read all of the instructions because a lot of times if you want to know if it'll conflict with one of your mods or not if it requires a certain config file or a portion of your game to be manipulated but then another mod that you have installed says you cannot manipulate this or else this mod will not work that is on you you want to mod the game you have to do the research a lot of people are like modders are so mean you ask a question the first thing they say is google it if you can't be bothered to scroll up and read the faqs then yeah go google it like <laughs> now you're wasting my time because you don't want to waste your time <laughs> you're really giving me a chuckle on that one yarl no i mean you guys all bring up good points uh it's about the you know they face challenges with people not putting the time into searching or properly reading the instructions that the modders provide or it's you know some of the other issues like lack of support from the devs or even just not a lot of uh for example daisy does provide great changelog notes for the players it's amazingly well thorough but for modders our modding list Yes, we have an area for our mod changes, but they don't even come close to touching what they changed. And the reason why it's frustrating for us is that some of the stuff they change, we have to spend hours and hours. And I'm not talking about like one or two of us. I'm talking about the community comes together to fix something. Um, you know, not all the time, but most times. And that's kind of interesting because it takes like a group of like 12 people to find the bug that's crashing everyone's mods. And it would have been probably easier for us to know about it if the devs had let us know they changed these variables or they added in a new function right. or changed how things work. But it's kind of like uh, how with when you, whenever you see Medieval Dynasty and they're like, we changed the damage on this weapon from this value to this value. Super helpful. But then when you look at the DayZ 1.20 and some of the things they fixed, we're like, we fixed light fall off. To what? What did you do to fix? Like, I give me some more than that because I just have made a light mod and I need to make sure that my lights are going to work properly. And I wanted to stop because Lieutenant General Zombie said something amazing. As we've heard from Red, there are plenty of discords you could join that have all the information you're looking for. And Lieutenant General Zombie said, bombshell, discord is a search function. That's true. And it makes it super easy to look for what you're looking for in discord. I've had to use it when modding my own server. Uh, I use that on the Fallout modding pages as well as uh, Fallout for uh, Project New Vegas. I've been doing a lot of searching on that to find out what they've changed that I may have missed out on. Instead of going, what's new, people? I haven't been around for a couple months. They're not going to give you a recap. Use the search features. Do the legwork. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, in my opinion, there are other issues that modders face other than players not following through reading or server owners having issues, the lack of support from uh, BI with documentation or even letting us know about certain situations or whatever. Well, BI has gotten better about that and players eventually older players and older server owners are better than newer ones. One of the other things that play uh, modern space is the negativity of the community. Now I'm not here to talk about the boohoo fest, but I'm talking about pure toxicity where you literally go to their workshop page and they have nothing but people crapping on all the work they have. Now, it kind of goes back to, they do this, a lot of them do this for free. And while some of them may be aspiring to make some side hustle income or some side money, it's a lot more work for little pay. But when people go out there and cause issues for them, whether it's on Twitter, their workshop, or even just going to their Discord and start hating on them. It is one of the worst feelings you can ever get, pouring tens if not hundreds of hours into a mod just to push one update a month after you made this amazing mod and have everyone start calling you a dumbass, piece of crap, blah, 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 so on and so on. It can take someone who is on 
a level of I am dedicated to my mod to literally just opening the door and walking. This is it's this is such a problem in the Daisy community. I could go on for way longer about this, but modders are people, and this is something that they face all the time. It doesn't matter if they put out an amazing update. There are still going to be people who hate on them because they put out an update. There are going to be people who hate on them because they didn't provide that one piece of information on it. There are going to be people who, who hate on them because the Discord search functionality sucks crap. But it's not the modder's fault. They're providing the forms for you to look for it. But Discord just sucks, right? This is going to happen over and over again. And my thing that I wanted to point out as why is this is such a challenge is because we all know that mental health problems are a problem in our society. And this kind of stuff really wears down the mental health of the people who are making our mods. And it's one of the things I think is one of the, the biggest killers of modders in the Daisy community. And I've heard in the other communities um, on other games as well. Oh, I agree. And, you know, I always look at modders like public servants. You know, they are there doing the job for free. They're providing you entertainment. You know, they're they're creating a service for you and not asking for anything in return other than just a little bit of reading. But the biggest thing is, I think the problem even goes into ourselves as a society and how we treat people that are there to give us a service. I think that we as a society need to self-reflect. We find oftentimes that if we call them names and throw up a big stink, that somebody's going to go around and go, you moron, all she had to do is this, this, this. Well, they just got the answer they wanted. And then they walk away, you know, it, it, as it turned out, throwing a stink and calling people's names got them what they wanted. They have no shame. There's no fixing that. But what you could do if you're not one of those people is make sure you treat the modders with respect. Look at some of the workshop comments. Some of them are the most uplifting stuff like, hey, man, take time off. This is a great mod. If you ever feel inspired to do it, just know there's people here that would love to see this mod updated. Hope you have a good life. A little bit of positivity could be the spark that's needed to bring that modder back to the computer desk. You know, Jarl, out of all the negativity things that we're talking about, whether you know it's all those things, including the thing I just mentioned and what you think, you brought up an interesting point. Positivity is not necessarily a challenge for modders, but it is something that can change a modder's day. We know for a fact that you could be having the worst day at your job, and when you get home and your wife says, hi, honey, I love you, or it's nice to see you, it can change our day quite drastically. It can be a beacon. Now, I point this out because it's actually a challenge to get people to compliment you about your mods. Now, I know this sounds crazy, but there are so many people who enjoy a mod out there, and there are, I wouldn't say you need a barrage of people saying thank you, I appreciate it, or whatever else, but when you look at the negativity a mod receives versus the positivity it receives, it can be so overwhelmingly negative that that one possible positive comment can change a modder's mindset. And again, it's not a challenge, but it is interesting to see the percentages of hate versus reinforcement and modders face that challenge all the time that they almost feel like they're modding for no real interests yes they may get uh may get recognized at first but over time that recognition dwindles more and more and it becomes almost a expectation which is just a sad fact that all modders eventually face that the community um, decides to expect them to be updating their mods, expects them to be improving on their mods, expects them to answer their questions. And it's just a sad fact of one of the challenges, even with some positivity, modders actually face overall. It's, uh, I know it's it sound a little bit sad, but it, it is a little bit sad. However, Modders do what they do, and most of them enjoy what they're doing as far as the asset, texture creation, and scripting. It's only when we have a couple of these challenges that pop up that modders might get a little bit disheartened. But don't worry, folks. Modding is a wonderful and a beautiful community once you get involved in it. I have made many friends out there, including Red Falcon, Iceblade, Lad, and many, many more. 
many of them have become really good friends of mine, and I am so happy to be part of the Daisy modding community. And that's something for you folks to to focus on. There is so much fun and enjoyment to be ha had out there that modding brings when you become part of the community and you actually actively are engaged in it. I think that's where we're kind of going to kind of leave it up, unless you have something else to say, Ar. Uh, just this. This is one thing I do whenever I mod a game. And yes, I'm a streamer. I understand that I'm doing it in front of people. But even at home, if I am playing a mod on the Xbox or, you know, whatever system or my PC down there, I will always sit there and go, you know, that really changed my experience for the better. My wife and I love it. I always go, hey, you know, I know I've said this before, but I wanted to let you know that I'm still downloading your mod to date. And it has become a fundamental part of my Fallout 4 experience and bless you for all the work that you did. Then I leave. I don't wait for an attaboy back, but that that's just something that they need to hear, that, that despite how down they feel, their mod is a key component to my experience, and I appreciate them. So we're going to go ahead and move on to throwing it out to the community. Now, in the community, uh, how do you guys use your mods and how do you react to modders? What is the way you guys show appreciation or even just use mods? What are your favorite mods out there? Don't worry, it doesn't have to be 100% DayZ focused answers. It could be other kind of answers out there. But just let us know what your favorite mods are and maybe even link them in the comments if you can. But folks, I think that's where we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Do you hear that? Huh? Oh, wait. <gasps> wait, Dave, right, Dave. I'll hold that myself. Uh, hey, Dave, how's it going? <laughs> oh, Earl? Uh, don't worry about Earl. You're, you're my number one. I agree. How do you feel about modders, Dave? They taste good. It's good. Dave. It's nice to be able to change what you're eating. You know, sometimes you can eat a guy in his underwear, sometimes in fully geared armor. That is a really good perspective. It's like an all-you-can-eat buffet. I like that, Dave. I don't know about that, Dave. I don't. Oh, okay. All right. You know what? You enjoy the mods you enjoy. <laughs> oh. Every time I feel like Dave and I are getting close, you know, he just turns around and snaps at me. I just don't get it. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Everyone say bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. Bye, unpaid news reporter. So, folks, the overall episode was talking about mods and modders. Now, we focused on the Daisy side of things with sprinkles of the other communities and the other games we do play. Overall point of this podcast episode was to kind of bring to light how mods and their various forms affect games and how sometimes they can truly give a game a longer longevity or even bring games from the brink of death back to life. It can also hurt games. There have been many games out there who have tried to introduce modding and they have crippled or destroyed the games. But whether or not you like mods or mods being in games, most games have a form of modding interwoven in them and it's not becoming more of an industry standard more and more as we go. Now, we did speak about who the modders are and what it means to be a modder, the challenges you face, even the positivity, and the kind of mentality or characteristics you have. But don't let this dissuade you from trying to become a modder for Daisy or your favorite video game out there. Remember folks, being a modder is all about expressing your creativity and becoming part of something a little bit bigger than just yourself. It's immersing yourself in the community and doing what Jarl said, which is networking and socializing. And maybe my friends find some really close friends, one or two of them. But I think overall, we're going to be talking about next episode. It's going to be about Project Zomboid. And once again, Jarl Goats is going to be spearheading it. Jarl, what do we expect next episode? A deep dive into my darkest basement and exploring my basement and how we might actually see a little sample of how my basement will change gameplay for Build 42. Looking forward to it. Uh, 
Well, folks, I hope you have all had a wonderful time. I will see you guys the next time. And to talk for now. See you in my dark tank basement. Bye-bye. Well, folks, thank you very much for watching our video and this podcast episode. Please like and subscribe, and it definitely helps us when you do. Please remember that you can also comment down below, and who knows, maybe we'll read or talk about your comment in our next episodes. Folks, I also want you to make sure to thank our staff members, being Yarla Goats and Red Falcon. Yarla Goats streams on Twitch quite regularly, and Red Falcon is responsible for the Red Falcon Hel Heli mods on the Daisy Workshop on PC. We are happy to have you folks here, and I hope you all have a wonderful day.